Hello there and welcome to the Sound of Balloons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Helen Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin as always. Now, uh, you'll notice we sound a little bit different today and sincere apologies for one or two minor technical issues. Kendra and I at the moment find ourselves in Los Angeles uh, working on uh, various other projects away from Minnesota United. But we were able to watch the game against Sporting Kansas City on Wednesday, given the fact it was... Uh, on uh, national television. Uh, so let's revisit Wednesday night's 1-1 draw between Minnesota United and Sporting Kansas City, shall we, Kay? What were your overriding thoughts and takeaways from the game? Yeah, I think it was very similar to what we've heard Adrian Heath talk about in the, the halftime and then also post-game quotes is that they didn't start out the way they would have hoped at home. I mean, you have this fantastic crowd. You're finally at home. You have an opportunity to pounce on a, on a Western Conference opponent that has been struggling on the season and to be fair, didn't go with their strongest starting 11, but instead they started out a little bit sloppy, a little bit slow, um, not able to keep the ball as, as good as we're used to seeing Minnesota United do so. And then they changed it around in the second half and they were able to come away with a one, one drawn a point at home against the sporting Kansas city side that clearly wasn't going away. And Peter Vermees has done that before where he's gone with some of his younger players and rotated the side a little bit. Um, Johnny Russell comes in in the second half and kind of does what he does and ends up getting a goal. But um, a point nonetheless, I just think that they're going to go away a little disappointed that they didn't come out a little stronger and put the pedal to the metal in the first half. But you still get a point and you have another opportunity on Saturday against DC United to get the three. Was it a surprise to you at all that once again, Adrian Heath went with the same starting eleven? No, not a surprise to me at all. I mean, that's sort of um, his MO. That's his modus operandi is that he if if they're winning and they're getting results and they're finding a way to get the job done um he will continue to go with the same starting 11 and and also to be fair this time around there's not a ton of depth off the bench in this moment they have some injuries um that they're dealing with of course um ariaga still out rosales has just come back in and he's he was on the bench last night and came in at, at halftime but um, I think that as they continue to hopefully get more players back and healthy, there may be some rotation, um, you know, maybe some earlier substitutions just to keep guys fresh as the season goes on. But not surprised at all that he went with the same starting 11 um, that ended up getting the results in Vancouver. Motus operandi. That's a phrase I've never heard before. <laughs> this is regularity. I was going to say. I told Addie, my daughter, how you said you've never heard Caddy Wampus. And she was like, what? Everybody knows Caddy Wampus. <laughs> I, I, it, it must be, a, it, it must be an, an Eastern Minnesotan thing or something. I have no idea. I, I, anyway, I, I always went with MO, and now I know what it stands for. Not only do we talk football on this podcast, it's also educational as well. <laughs> um, so um, in terms of, of Minnesota United at home, this, this would have been a game that, they would have expected to win given that the league standings and you look at the, the torrid campaign that Sporting Kansas City are enduring at the moment. And it's not like they didn't have their chances, Kendra. They obviously got themselves in front courtesy of a rather bizarre own goal, which we'll, we'll touch base on a little later, no doubt. But um, John Pulskamp was thrust into the net by Sporting Kansas City when many of us were expecting Tim Melia to continue uh, what is another good campaign for him. 
Um, and, and Poolskamp once again showed signs that perhaps at some stage he may be ready for football at this level, um, denying Minnesota United on several occasions. Yeah, and I think it was, in the end of the day, it was a little bit a battle of the goalkeepers because you and I were sitting there watching the second half and Dane St. Clair coming up with some fantastic saves late in the match um, as Sporting Kansas City continued to press. And you and I were also talking about Poolskamp when the starting 11s came out and just kind of a little surprised at what Peter Vermees went with as we're talking here about Adrian Heath and his choice for his starting 11. Um, but, you know, sometimes those goalkeepers like that that are on the fringe and can't find their way into a starting 11 consistently, they show some nerves when they step onto the pitch. They show some uneasiness. And you just wonder if he continues to get more minutes, if he'll find his confidence and get a little more comfortable um, in the back there. He did okay in that game. The own goal was very bizarre. And I know that that's the only goal Minnesota scored on the night, which is interesting considering they've scored nine in the last, in the previous three games, um, really well created goals, three in each, that then the the offense kind of dried up a little bit in the match um, against Sporting Kansas City. But, you know, Kansas City did just enough. You talked to all those guys from Minnesota United earlier in the week and they knew that Kansas City isn't just going to come in here and go, well, we're bottom of the table. We've struggled this year. We can't seem to score. We can't seem to defend. We're just going to lay down and die here um, at Allianz Field. Like everybody on Minnesota United knew that was not going to be the case. So um, they came in there and put a good showing in and actually were on the front foot in the first half. Minnesota weathers the storm and finds a way to um, create more chances in the second half. Just couldn't find the back the net against Polskamp in the second half. I, I must admit, um, the surprise from Sporting Kansas City, the, the approach rather from Sporting Kansas City, was not a surprise to me in the sense of it, it was very deep. It was a, a low block, as, as you guys say over here, and, um, and was a, a counter-pressing approach, uh, which we've seen Kansas City operate with before. We're also starting to see that now once again become more of a regularity to visiting teams at Allianz Field. I'm not suggesting that Peter Vermees and Kansas City came into Minnesota thinking, right, we're going to be slightly limited to what we can do here. and We'll take a point. But th there is this now, in my opinion, this overriding feeling of, of almost the fear factor returning um, when people come to Allianz Fields. Um, that's not been the case, I would argue, over the course of the last six months or so, where teams have come to Allianz Field and have found a way to get a result. But I, I think it's almost a form of flattery when teams come into your home stadium and do indeed play a low block and a counter-press style because that, that does suggest, in my opinion, that they'll actually settle for a point. They'll actually take what they can get out of the game, does it not? Well, see, I actually read that a little bit differently, and I, I do think that you know any game on the road in this league is difficult, and, and I think most teams want to go somewhere and get a point. Um even if they, they don't think three is possible coming away with something. But how I read it a little bit oftentimes is that if you can sit in a low block or in a, a little bit of a defensive shape in your own half when you're at Allianz Field, Minnesota United, when the play slows down and they really have to get in that attacking third of the field and break a team down with ball movement, with um, the ability to have runs you know, off the ball, well-timed, the movement, the rotation of, of players. If you can sit in that shape and force Minnesota to do that, then you might find success because I think when the play slows down is when Minnesota is least effective offensively. 
when they have, and not that they don't have creative players. They have Emmanuel Reynoso. They have Robin Lode, who now has played a little bit more central. They have Bongu Wane, who can use his pace to get down the right-hand side. Fregapane, who likes to cut in. So it's not a a knock on them from a creativity standpoint, but sometimes when you have teams that sit in that lower block at Allianz Fields, it's hard for Minnesota, if the play slows down, to find a way through and break a team down. And I think that's how, that's my perception of how Sporting Kansas City and some others have read it. So they sit in that organized defensive shape. They they force Minnesota to go side to side and pass it around the, the edge of the 18, maybe go backwards a few times. And then if they can force a turnover, a sloppy play, a mistake, then they can go quickly out the other way and transition. So I agree with you that teams are sitting in a low block and wanting to get out quickly on the transition. But I just think it's maybe for a slightly different reason in the sense that Minnesota struggles to break teams down when the ball slows down in the attacking third of the field for them. Okay, so how do Minnesota United continue to get the better of teams that will, I'm sure, inevitably come to Allianz Field and continue to play the low block? Because arguably, Kendra, Kansas City got what they came for. Yeah, they did. And I think what Minnesota has to do is find a way to not allow teams to set up in that shape in the low block. And I'm not saying both teams all of a sudden have to be running, gunning, transition. This isn't, you know, fast break basketball where one team breaks one way, Minnesota wins the ball, they break the other way. But in the first and secondary passes out of the back when Minnesota wins possession back, whether that's in the midfield or whether that's in the back, whether it's Will Trapp, Robin Lud, Ariaga, Rosales, whoever's playing centrally, it's Corey Hayes. When you win that ball, can you get one ball out quickly to kind of stretch the line? Maybe it's a big switch field. It doesn't have to be something where you slow it down and it's 15, 20 passes. I'm all for possession, but if it's not purposeful and it's not resulting in something that's effective on goal, then you're just allowing the other team too easily to defend you and be compact. So maybe that first or second pass out is stretching the back line. It's stretching the opposition it's finding the space down the wings. Then it's a big switch across to the back post. It's Kamar Lawrence getting to the end line at times, just forcing the issues, but it's got to be at pace. It's got to be once you touch, you got to know where you're going with the next pass before you get the ball. It's a player looking over their shoulder, not trying to do too much before they receive it. Emmanuel Reynoso, one, two touch, get the ball and get it back. It's just got to be quicker in the way they attack when they go forward and win the ball. And I'm not saying fast break transition. I'm not saying it has to be direct every time. It's just got to be quicker ball movement and not allowing those teams to effectively set up in that block and be organized and compact defensively that it's just you're you're having a hard time jamming that ball through and finding a way to goal. Talk to me about Luis Amaria then, um, who if, if Minnesota are able to to do as you just suggested and, and stretch the back line, we, we saw it on one particular occasion in the second half where Minnesota were able to break through and, and the offside flag was raised. and having looked at it and, and given it a further inspection, offside is the right call in that situation, unfortunately. But that was a, a, a very um, Minnesota United goal in the sense of it, it was a goal that I expect to see on a regular basis from Minnesota United now because of the players they have at their disposal. When the ball came over to Fragapane, who thrashed the ball across goal low and hard, and, and Amaria was there sort of running towards goal and, and sort of threw himself at the ball and, and was able to put it in. Uh, from close range. Um, Luis Amaria, apart from that, Kendra, uh, looked um, almost on an island again. I, I thought looked a little more 
so like a spectator once again. How how do they get Luis Amaria a little more involved in those types of games? Well, and I think it's interesting to me how it's changed slightly um, with Robin Lud playing more in that central double pivot, you know, sort of holding midfielder role rather than out on the right-hand side. Because I actually thought in the first couple games, there was more space for Luis Amaria to try to find the game with just Dragapane on his one side and Emmanuel Reynoso underneath and Longwane on the other because Longwane is a little bit more traditional in his wing space and staying a little bit wider on the right, whereas Robin was always cutting inside um, into that space, essentially. And it almost became too crowded at times for Luis Amaria. He's trying to stay central between the two center backs, but then when there were times where Minnesota uh, is trying to break out and look for an option, they want him to run into that space uh, between the center back and the outside back and be available. And so at times for me, it looks like Luis is struggling to find the game, to find where he needs to be, to be available for his teammate. And I think maybe he's overthinking it just a little bit because I do think that he's a smart footballer. And for the most part, he wants to stay central. He wants to be available for when that ball comes back into the box. If he can get on the end of a service, if he can, you know, do a little combination play, can he find a combination with Amanda Reynoso where he receives the ball and gives the ball back? Um, but I think it needs to be quicker in his decision-making too. Oftentimes he takes one, two, three, you know, four too many touches. I like that. He's been aggressive in going to goal. We, we were just talking last night, you and I about the goal he scored in Vancouver and his willingness to take that shot from distance and with his left foot. Those are the kinds of things that are going to keep the defense off balance when you keep them guessing, but when they always know you're going to take two, three, four touches, they'll close you down when they know you're always going to pass the ball first and not go to goal and be kind of instinctive in that goal scoring nature. They, they know that. And so I think if he can continue to keep the, the defense guessing and finding and reading the game, and it's just got to be quicker when he's reading the game, how can he be most effective and most available for his teammates? And if that means he needs to venture out a little bit wider, and I'm not saying in wide spaces, like on the wings, but between the center back and the outside back and finding that little pocket of space where then he can make the run back in across the back line for a little slotted through ball from Emmanuel Reynoso and staying in an onside position. So for me, I just think he's got, he's gaining confidence um, with the results and, and with some of the goals he's scored and helped. But again, just maybe overthinking it at times. And especially when the game is difficult to read against these low blocks um, that the opposition is creating. So um, at the break, we saw Minnesota United make a tactical change. Flongwane left and in came Rosales, Kindra. Why do we think that adjustment was made? Well, and you and I were talking about that as well last night, is just trying to figure out how to, how to handle the numbers that Sporting Kansas City had in the middle of the field. Because at times there was enormous amounts of space. It felt like Emmanuel Reynoso... Um, was staying up a little bit higher. Will Trapp and Robin Lud were having to do more defending, less attacking. There wasn't a whole lot of breakout opportunity. So I think just putting an additional body in the middle of the pitch at times to defend, to um, create space when wanting to go forward. And when I say that going forward, creating space with Rosales, we know he has the ability to pick out the pass. We know he can ping a ball if needed. So when he does win the ball and help defensively in the center of midfield, he is smart in possession going forward and can make the right choice, you know, most of the time. 
And so I think it was just an extra body in midfield. And that also gave Robin a little bit more freedom to go forward and join in the attack when you have a little bit more of a defensive-minded center midfielder clogging up that space um, with Will Trapp. So before we head to break here, Kendra, um, Minnesota United were able to announce a new signing over the course of the last couple of days. Alan Benitez, a right-back arriving from Cerro Porteño, uh, one of the Premier teams in Paraguay, alongside the likes of Libertad and Olympia, um, has played in the Copa Libertadores for the last couple of years. Cerro Porteño made it to the knockout rounds before they were beaten handsomely uh, by the current champions, Palmeiras. Um, Right-back has clearly been uh, a, a, an interesting subject for Minnesota over the course of the last couple of weeks. We've seen DJ Taylor excel and do very well indeed. But it, it, it seems as though this has been a situation they've looked at for some time, given the current injury situation of Juan Mitanier. What do we expect Alan Benitez to offer Minnesota United? Well, I think Adrian Heath has said it very clearly, and we know um, from the history in his system, he wants those outside backs to be attacking. And Benitez has played some outside backs, some wing backs, some right winger nearly at times. And I think that he will ask the question of the back line for the opposition more than DJ Taylor. DJ Taylor has been fantastic, and I would argue to say better than maybe anybody thought on a consistent basis. And he's become the consistent starter in the right back role and being asked a lot in that position. And more importantly for me, he's defended really well. He's found a way to positionally put himself in good positions um, to defend against some really tough attacking players for everybody that Minnesota has gone against. But ultimately at the end of the day, you need depth in that position. The way that position is asked to perform to attack, to make the runs, to get back and defend. Uh, it's just too much. It's too much for one individual. And you also have O'Neill Fisher, who has the ability to come off the bench. But for the most part, you also, you just you just need depth in those positions. Right back, left back, O'Neill Fisher can do that. Benitez can play in that right back role, right wing back. I think he's going to be attack-minded. He's going to want to go forward first. He's coming to a new club. He's coming to a new country. He's going to want to impress. And if anything, this gives DJ Taylor an opportunity to take a night off and, and have a break where you have fresh legs and you have more energy late in matches. You have more energies down the down the stretch. We see the the calendar that's coming up does not get any easier. And I think this is going to be really good quality piece of, of depth. I would expect Benitez to be the starter eventually, but ultimately what it still continues to do is give you depth in that right back role. OK, coming up in the next segment of the show, we'll discuss all things MLS All-Stars, the latest in the world of Major League Soccer, and indeed preview Minnesota United at home to DC United. An injury takes you out of the game. It's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With records, test results and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. A 
And a very warm welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Lots to digest in terms of Major League Soccer. We'll focus on the opponents for Minnesota United, DC United. They've had some news over the last couple of days, haven't they, uh, here shortly. First and foremost, though, Kendra, MLS All-Star announcements over the last of uh, the last couple of days, rather. Um, Minnesota United, for the second time in club history, having two players a part of the MLS All-Star roster. Dane St. Clair and Emmanuel Reynoso are part of the All-Stars. Richly deserved call-ups. Yeah, richly deserved. I think it's accurately stated. I think Dane St. Clair, everybody that has played against him has seen his quality from a goalkeeping standpoint since he stepped into that starting role um, back against the New York Red Bulls early in the season. And I think it's it's interesting because oftentimes we look at clean sheets and we look at that, but his save percentage and the amount of goals that he's taken away for opposition is phenomenal. So I think when you see Dane St. Clair, you see his presence in the back, his consistent call-ups now to the Canadian men's national team heading into this uh, World Cup in November. He deserves to be on that roster. And then, of course, Emmanuel Reynoso. I mean, there isn't a team, a coach, a player, um, an opponent, anybody in this league that you talk to that doesn't just speak volumes about him. And when you say, you, who do you need to focus on for Minnesota United? It's Emmanuel Reynoso. If you cut him off, if you don't allow him to get the ball, to get on the ball, then you have a chance at winning a game. And so we see his quality. We see his ability. And um, I think that those are both deserved. I'm disappointed that Robin Wood didn't make the cut because I think he's, even though he's scored some amazing goals, he's a little bit one of those unsung heroes in my mind. And he's continued to get more attention from opposing teams. Um, and, and his willingness to play multiple positions, I, I just... I'm disappointed that he didn't make it. And I would say that if you asked his teammates, they would say the same. And and maybe Tyler Miller, you know, walking into the stadium yesterday wearing Robin Lund's Finland national team jersey uh, was a sign that they're supporting their teammate. But yes, uh, phenomenal for Jane St. Clair and Emmanuel Reynoso. Looking at the all-star roster, um, Jane St. Clair will have to compete with Sean Johnson and Andre Blake for minutes. Uh, no question marks at all, really, in, in terms of the goalkeepers selected. Uh, some other interesting names on the All-Star roster, Kai Wagner of uh, Philadelphia Union. Looking forward to seeing Kamal Miller uh, from Montreal, who's quietly gone about his business and had a very good year. The two centre-half from New York, uh, Aaron Long of the Red Bulls and Alexander Carlins of New York City FC should be interesting. Ilya Sanchez back amongst the MLS All-Stars as well, of course, played for the All-Stars whilst with Sporting Kansas City, now playing with uh, LAFC, Hani Mukhtar, Carlos Gil, uh, Sebastian uh, Driussi, all players that we expected to see in some way, shape or form. And from an attacking point of view, Carlos Vela, Raul Rui Diaz, uh, Javier Hernandez, um, Jesus Ferreira and, and Valentin Castellanos as well, Kendra. Um, th- this is legitimately a list of league stars. And I know that's, that's an obvious statement to make because it is the MLS All-Stars. But sometimes there are some individuals that are left out. And I think there are one or two that, that I think were unfortunate this time, and, and Robin Lord because could certainly be a part of that conversation. But this does feel like a very, very strong all-star team. Yeah, I mean, I am really excited for this matchup. I mean, you talk about um, a game that you want to watch and how it's going to turn out. And if it's anything like last year's MLS All-Star game, where they played against the League MX All-Stars, you could t- sense the intensity of it, the competitiveness of it, the 
willingness to, you know, really put everything on the line. This isn't like other all-star games. This isn't like the NBA where it's, you know, 300 to 302 at the end of the night. This isn't like the NFL Pro Bowl where you're doing it, you know, essentially after the season is over and guys are just enjoying a nice little vacation. This is a legitimate claim to the game in North America of, of kind of the best of the best in the continent of North America. And what a group that MLS is able to put on the pitch of um, combined players of international and, of course, um, U.S., Canadian as well. And I just think this is going to be something special at Allianz Field. And when I look at the list and I and I see some of, you know, the commissioners pick Kamal Miller, you go down the line of coaches pick and who was voted in and all those kinds of things. There isn't anybody in my mind on this list, I would say, that does not belong. What I think it tells you is that the quality of the league is so great now that you can feel hard done when certain players don't make it. And the fact that you feel, and whether it's for your team or another team, you have so much quality to choose from to be in the MLS All-Star game and on that side that you feel really good about the group that you're putting out there against the league MX All-Stars. That's how I interpret it now with the quality of the league. How do you interpret it? Yeah, it, it's difficult to argue when you look at it from that point of view. Um, I, I think uh, Darlington Nagbe may, may be the one that I thought, OK, um, I understand why he's there, but I, I think there there were other options available. Um, and as you said, that that in itself, to, to question whether Darlington Nagbe belongs in this or not, um, says, says a lot about the quality of the league, for sure. Um, there are an abundance of others that I, I thought could have, been in there. I mean, uh, Mark Anthony Kay, I, I think, has has been the, the diamond in the rough um, in, in this Colorado season. I know he's just gone to Toronto FC, so maybe we'll see a bit more of him now. But um, I thought he was ever so fortunate not, not to get a look in. Um, I, I, look, there's an abundance that, that I thought were, were unfortunate. But as you say, quite rightly, it, it does show um, that this is now a, a very, very good league and you can't just get in to the all-star roster uh, just because uh, of your, your name recognition. You have to come in on form as well and merit. So, um, and look, there's always going to be individuals that will get in because of, of name recognition for sure. Um, like a Javier Hernandez, like a Carlos Vela, especially when it's against the league at MX All-Stars, they're always going to be in there. And that's fine because they are legitimate stars of the league. Um, either way, as you say, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, can't wait for the MLS All-Star game. Uh, at Allianz Field against the Liga MX All-Stars. Let, let's focus elsewhere, shall we, on, on Major League Soccer. We're recording this on Thursday morning, but the latest transfer news um, to bring you. Philadelphia Union have exercised the purchase option on Julian Carranza from Inter-Miami for about half a million dollars, we're told. Um, that could be a really, really smart signing. Obviously, he was very good against DC United uh, several days ago in that 7-0 thumping of DC United, who themselves have had some rather intriguing news over the course of the last couple of days. Um, we knew they were in search of a new head coach. I think, though, Kendra, a lot of people were taken back when suggestions were that Wayne Rooney was going to be that head coach. That now confirms, to our understanding, he won't be at Allianz Field on Saturday. He's still awaiting uh, some immigration paperwork to be able to be on the sidelines. No doubt he'll be watching, though. Um, and, and he'll be watching Kinder a side that is in need of a lot for sure. But Wayne Rooney, the new head coach of DC United, I, I think perhaps one of the biggest surprising pieces of news we've seen this season. Well, and I was a little intrigued when I saw someone 
speculate or maybe they know more and it's not actually speculation that he and his family didn't thoroughly enjoy DC when he played there, but now he's returning as, as a head coach and maybe perhaps without his family. I don't know if you saw the same um, speculation or comment that I did. So I was kind of wondering what happened there. And I mean, who knows personal life and issues and whatever people have going on. I mean, people forget these are real people at the end of the day. So whether there's, you know, what you have to do oftentimes what's best for your family and it's difficult as a coach and as a, as a player, as a professional athlete, when you're trying to move around, but keep your family intact and you have kids and everybody's got things going on. So I'm not sure what's all behind that, but um, I know you mentioned it to me last week. You were like, Oh, uh, you know, I just saw the Darby County and, you know, I wonder if uh, they'll be looking at DC, you know, at Rain, Wayne Rudy with DC United. And I just thought, well, that's interesting, you know, and I, and then before you know it, the thing happened. So I'm guessing you probably mm-hmm. had some sort of source um, giving you some of that information, but it's Maybe. another start. It's a, yeah, it's another start <laughs> of the league. And honestly, like I, 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 how many times have you seen the clip again when, he hustled back in that game and won the ball back and then served the ball in and they scored this goal. And it was this fantastic call by JP Della camera. And that's the Wayne Rooney that, you know, we kind of came to know and love in MLS is um, that kind of work rate when he did play here as a player, when he came over. So if, if it means that he can get this team going and on the right track and they continue to um, have positive a positive influence after supposedly one of the worst experiences ever, as their head coach, then I'm all for it. And again, it's a name to the league. It's it's a it's star power to this league. But if he can produce results and be a good quality coach, that's what's most important at the end of the day. So I'm excited to have him back in, in MLS. I must admit there's a real element of intrigue here from, from my point of view because he did um, an exceptional job at Derby County. And, and for those unaware, that they'll look at the table and see Derby were, were, were relegated. Um, that, that doesn't tell the complete story, that, that particular picture. Derby County were under a humongous financial issue and, and they had money scrutiny, um, ownership issues. And, and because of all these issues, they were deducted so many points, um, meaning that Wayne Rooney, when he took over at Derby County, um, was, was up against it regardless to, to keep them in the league. Um, he very nearly kept them up as well. Um, they went on, on an incredible run towards the end of the season where they were winning in places that they really had no business winning, at, at the, the likes of at Sheffield United and winning away at Middlesbrough and, and winning at um, places uh, that, that, again, they, they had no right to, to win, really. And, and they were getting results here and there. And the thought was that maybe, maybe Wayne Rooney can keep them up. And, and as I said, they, he very nearly did. Um and I think in that moment, he, he proved himself as, as an up-and-coming manager. And I, and I absolutely have to point that out. He is an up-and-coming manager. Um, but taking on this DC United job, it's going to come with an abundance of challenges. And let's not forget, he was confirmed as, as, as the DC United manager off the back of, of one of the heaviest defeats in club history, that 7-0 loss of Philadelphia Union. This is a gargantuan job to turn around um, DC United and to turn around one one of the the original franchises of Major League Soccer, um, they clearly need some help in terms of bodies coming in. He's already made a, a statement to the press saying that they're looking at bringing in young, hungry players. I think somebody had um, had suggested that already Wayne Rooney had reached out to 
Luis Suarez, who at the moment is a free agent. He, he turned down a move to River Plate in Argentina. There were suggestions of, of a move back to the English Premier League with Aston Villa. Um, Wayne Rooney has, has said that they had a conversation, but he, he needs young, hungry players. Um, so I think over the course now, Kendra, of the next month or so, particularly during the, the transfer and trade window when it's open, we may very well see a flurry of moves for DC United. But but this is the first ever time Wayne Rooney has come into this league as a manager. And, and we all know when you come across from Europe as a manager in particular, it takes time to understand the intricacies of the league. So my point here is, I'm very interested to see what he does in terms of the rest of the coaching staff. I would assume he would keep Chad Ashton a, a part of that staff. Chad Ashton, a, a club legend at DC United and has been there for a long time and, and was the interim manager. But but I wonder what they're going to do in terms of, of bringing in players because it feels as though this is a situation where now he needs MLS players. He needs players that know the league very well, perhaps players that, that aren't playing as much as they would like to elsewhere. Players that maybe want to prove a point. It wouldn't surprise me at all, Kay, if we see a flurry of activity and in particular internal MLS trades moving um, in the way of DC United and several players moving there over the course of the next month or so. So what I think, Hal, is going to be most important for Wayne Rooney, and I agree with you in the sense that coaches struggle when they come to this league and understanding how the salaries work, the rosters, the different rules, the regulations. You can't just throw money at it, money at everything. So the benefit could be that Wayne Rooney actually played in this league. And I know it was a short stint, 2018 to 2019, but at least he can have a little bit of an understanding of the challenges of building a roster and the money restrictions and, and how it works. So I think if anything, it'll benefit DC United. It'll benefit Wayne Rooney when he comes here to have that little bit of experience and that taste of what it takes to be successful in this league. And I know that it was just one game, but you know, the two, two draw they had against Columbus after one of the worst losses in the history of the league in their prior match, you just wonder if that little bit of lift from finding out that Wayne Rooney has been officially named their head coach. They may have a path, a direction, a philosophy, a style going forward. There's some, going to be a consistency factor there after what they've endured with Hernan Lozada and then having an interim coach. You just wonder if that's the little bit of lift that this club needs at this moment in time to continue to grind out the rest of the season in the Eastern Conference because it's it's a tall task to come and coach in this league and to take a team that's had a little bit of disarray and you know they're they're a little bit down in the sense of what they've had to go through. And now is that the lift? And we've seen it time and time again in, in any sport. If you have a coach that can drive you and motivate you and get you to play for a cause bigger than yourself in a moment that maybe you outperform the expectations of the roster itself, much like they did at Darby County, and you have someone that can motivate you and get you going and um, get results from individuals, get performances from individuals that collectively as a team can drive forward and find a way to be successful. And that might be just enough for this DC United team with Wayne Rooney being announced as the head coach. And then we'll see what he actually does as a head coach when he arrives. Yeah. I get the feeling Wayne Rooney is one of those types of coaches that once he gets going, um, you may very well want to run through a brick wall for him. He, he strikes me as a motivator for sure. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, what DC United can offer over the course uh, of the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, 
What are we expecting from DC United then, Kay, against Minnesota United this coming weekend? They were uh, much better against Columbus Crew on Wednesday evening and scored an equalising goal with essentially one of the last kicks of the game through Ola Kamara. Are we expecting not necessarily a rejuvenated DC United, but a DC United that perhaps are operating with a little more confidence coming into Allianz Field? That's exactly where I would expect. I would expect that from this group, but I understand that they're sitting in last of the Eastern Conference now. They're their struggles are real. A lot of attention has been made out about Taxi Fontas and, and the lift that he's been able to provide for that team. Um, Ola Kamara has traditionally been, you know, quietly good um, for them. And, and I just think that I would expect the confidence in the lift will purely come from that announcement. Um, I don't think the way they play is going to change a whole lot. And, and necessarily the style that they play with um, Ashton still in charge until Wayne Rooney officially takes over. But I would guess that they're going to feel a little confident um, and a little lift in that that draw from Columbus Crew and the announcement of Wayne Rooney. And I just think that goes a long way in sports. I mean, that is why we play the games. It's such a, a cheesy kind of phrase, but that is why you play the game. In this league, anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and they are going to feel confident in what their future could hold with the announcement of Wayne Rooney. And I, that's exactly what I would expect is a little bit of an emotional lift. Um, coming into Allianz Field. And just finally then, from a, a Minnesota United point of view, uh, we know Adrian Heath very rarely changes the starting eleven after a positive result. What should we expect on Saturday? Well, I'd be curious to see what the health um, is of the players with another quick turnaround. We weren't sure going Vancouver to home to Minnesota. I know um, Robin didn't practice a whole lot this week, and then he played in the game obviously against Sporting Kansas City. So for me, it's going to be about the health of the players and their ability to push on. I'm not sure, um, you know, who is going to be available. Rosales clearly played last night. I think Ariaga is still a little ways out, but you also have Ja'Cory Hayes that can come in in that center midfield role. Um, I just think it's going to depend on what he decides because then does he move Robin back out on the right? Does he give, you know, does he put Bobby back on the bench? Uh, does he slide Rosales in there as a starting central midfielder along Will Trap if he's healthy and ready to go? Um, I think there are options, and and that's that's good to have. Um, and you also still have a Budenlani who can play as an attacking piece. So I wouldn't be shocked to see one or two changes in the starting eleven. But it, to me, it's really just going to be about how these guys come out of the game last night. And you really have just one day basically of of good solid training on Thursday before your match day minus one. Um, actually today is Thursday. So you have match day minus one on Friday. Uh, it's just going to be about rest and regeneration for these guys. Okay. My thanks as always to Kendra D. St. Orban and our wonderful production crew back in Minneapolis at base. Uh, once again, apologies for one or two technical issues here. All eyes now focused on Allianz Field. Once again, Minnesota United taking on DC United 7 p.m. from all of us here. A very good day to you.